Welcome to this week's episode of the Nation Podcast, powered by Athlete Nation. I'm your host, Colton Stone. Joining me this week is Coach Frank Diaz, a former assistant at Oregon, a quarterback's coach that's climbed through the ranks of junior college, and a member of the Independence Community College coaching staff that was recently featured on Netflix's series, Last Chance You. So, Coach, I wanted to start here. Obviously, a, a few weeks ago, the newest season of Last Chance You came out, featured Independence Community College. What was that like for you? And what what was that environment like with, with them being on campus and just kind of the whole atmosphere of the show? Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, it's it's very different than the West Coast. I'll put it that way. Um, that was actually my first time ever going out to the Midwest and being in Southeast Kansas, um, a bit of a culture shock when you're surrounded by thousands of miles of cornfields and, um, you go from being surrounded by, uh, you know, 15, 20 million people. And now you're in a town that's roughly 7,000 people. If that, you know, you've got to go fishing for those 7,000 people and you hang out at Walmart. Um, so it was a bit of a culture shock, you know, but I was there for, you know, for one reason, one reason only, and that was to, you know, win games and, uh, and coach these guys up. And with it being JUCO, it's not only not lavish necessarily for the kids, but uh, for the coaches as well. You know, in, in your experience, what was kind of different? I know you were an undergrad assistant out at Oregon. What, you know, what were the facilities like and, was it almost kind of like uh, an internship at, at a JUCO school as a coach? Uh, you know, yeah, I guess, you, you know, coming from Oregon um, and being showered by Nike and then you go down to the bottom of the barrel, I guess I could say I was a bit spoiled um, being at Oregon. But ultimately, you know, that those materialistic things don't help you win games. You know, they, they, they actually don't. And, um, you know, I took the, it, it wasn't really an internship because I've been coaching now for six years. Mm-hmm. That was my sixth season coaching junior college football. And, um, in my previous five years at West LA college, you know, I've broken records, um, out here in California. And in 2015, my quarterback, George Reyna was the number one quarterback statistically in the nation. He, uh, ended up signing with Jeff Tedford out at Fresno state. Um, so it wasn't really an internship. It was just more of a, you know, like what, let's see if I can help coach Brown, you know, turn things around. And I think he knew that he was having quarterback issues and, um, you know, he reached out, he reached out to me and said, you know, Hey, you want, you want to try this out? And I went for it. Um, but it was, you know, like you said, all, all the coaches that I was there with, we were all from different parts of the country. You know, we weren't, I don't think there was anybody actually from Kansas. We had, uh, a coach from Wisconsin, a coach from Arizona, a coach from Louisiana, um, you know, a couple of West Coast guys from L.A., um, and, a, and a guy from, I think, Minnesota. So, you know, we were from all over the place, and uh, and we, there we are in uh, Independence, Kansas. And um, some of those guys were younger guys, and they helped out um, and, did, and, and did an awesome job. Were there any big differences from – from the previous community college you were at and the one in Kansas, or did, did you see a lot of similarities between the two? You know, player-wise, as far as their mentality, it's the same deal. You know, these guys are JUCO guys for a reason, you know. A lot of these guys are knuckleheads, and it takes – you have to explain to it – you have to explain things to them more than once or maybe more than ten times, you know. And um, as far as JUCO, you know, and then as far as facilities, you know, 
Coach Brown and 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 has uh, gained the trust from of the community from the community that are independents, and they you know they put together an awesome weight room. Um, I think now they're just working on a brand new field, and um, I, I'm sure that you know they're going to work on having their own uh, indoor practice facility here soon. So uh, you know they're building it up. It, I, I'm sure it's going to be a special place as long as they continue to win there. Um, but yeah, as far as you know. I mean, junior college football is junior college football. Um, you're going to get some of those bounce backs that have some baggage, and then you're going to have some of those kids that uh, obviously didn't have the grades or, or were eligible academically to get into the uh, higher institution. So, you know, in my in my personal opinion, it's the same deal. Um, Kansas JUCO gets scholarships. California JUCOs don't get scholarships. With what position you're coaching the quarterbacks, have you found a – I don't want to say a, a pattern for quarterbacks that go to JUCO, but are there um, struggles that you see with with every quarterback you've worked with, and what what do you think has been the hardest thing coaching JUCO quarterbacks? You know, I haven't had a hard time coaching junior college quarterbacks. Um, my five years at uh, West Los Angeles College, I had I had the opportunity to recruit and then develop my quarterbacks. So when I went to go recruit, I was looking for the guys that had a chip on their shoulders that were those Aaron Rodgers that were willing to work hard and do whatever it takes to get to the next level, you know, and be coachable. Um, I, so I never actually – so when I went to Independence, I actually inherited um, four quarterbacks that I didn't recruit. So, no, I've never actually had a, a problem coaching quarterbacks and getting them out to the next level. Um, like I said, you know, people can check out my resume and see the things I've done on my website – um, and you would be, you know, they'd be amazed, like, wow, this guy, you know, this guy's putting together some awesome quarterbacks. Um, it was just a bit different when you have a, now that I go to Independence and I'm dealing with the five-star kid, you know, used to having cameras around him, um, was with Jimbo Fisher. Um, you know, he was, he was at the top of the mountain, and then he goes and uh, ends up in southeast Kansas with me. And, um, you know, he obviously is in some funk and, do, you know, doesn't really want to be there too much. And I got to motivate him, you know, each and every day to try to maximize his potential as far as being a quarterback. So that was more difficult than actually going and recruiting and developing my own talent because essentially when you recruit a kid out of high school, you mold him to what you want him to be. You ended up becoming um, kind of a, a, a integral part of it because of the quarterback situation that was going on. And, and I know you, you said you get a lot of guys that are, are knuckleheads and, you you know, it's that's where they end up. And you ended up. You guys had a lot of former Division ones that transferred um, because they lifted the limit. And you talked about the the motivation factor. Is that harder when guys are so used to being, like you said, on top of that mountain, and and you didn't bring them in? Is that motivation tougher to to get through to them? Yeah, it is. It can be. Um, but you know, the the reason the reason that we had to do that and, and bring in. Well, you know what? That you know what the independent staff just brought in a bunch of dudes, right? We had to do that because we're we were we're starting to build a program. Now, if we don't go after those D1 bounce backs, somebody else is going to get them. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know if they're going to be, you know, a good nucleus or not, but we can't afford to have some. We can't afford for somebody else to have them. So why not just why not we just go after them and get them? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, you, we just have to go after every possible kid. Now, as we, as in, well, I'm not there anymore. But as independence continues, or any program, con, you know, continues to grow and get better, 
you know, they're going to they, they can afford now to be a little bit more picky about who they bring in to make sure that their character fits, you know, what 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 they're trying to do, what that program is trying to do. I, and I know your your one big thing you said a little earlier is is to be coachable. How do you convey that to to the quarterbacks you work with? Yeah, being coachable just means, you know, do whatever the coach asks you to do. And um, and if you want to, like, I'm not saying don't improvise, because obviously as a quarterback, sometimes shit hits the fan and you have to improvise. But what I'm saying is, be coachable. You know, just just don't say anything back and just do what a coach tells you to do. We correct it on film. If you do something on film and it, and it's not what I asked you to do, but you did it maybe a little bit better. Yeah, I'll give you. I'll let you. The, I'll give you the green light. Say, you know what? Go for it, man. I see. We. I see what you're talking about. I see how you're seeing things. Go for it. But being coachable just means you have respect for your coach, and you're going to do what your coach asks you to do, and other coaches ask you to do. You know, you're never going to put yourself over the program or think you're better than the program. Um, that's just what it means. That's just what that means by being coachable. It's just, I guess, just ultimately respect. You know, respect the game. The season obviously had had its own ups and downs, yet it finished out really well. It, a lot of it was off-field stuff with classes and, and making sure kids graduate. What is the – and I'm not saying it's it's no harder for any other JUCO or any, any Division one, two, three programs. You're going to have kids that skip class or, or don't go to class or aren't, aren't there for that. What is the hardest part about not only making sure these kids are, are getting it done on the field but getting it done off the field? Yeah, that was one of my biggest – Oh, that was one of the hardest things for me is um, when I went to Kansas, I, I just wanted to coach football, you know, and uh, I got there and we had a serious amount of tasks to do. Is, and is, and number one task essentially was to babysit these guys. You know, we had to wake up early to make sure they went to their classes. We had to be up late at night to make sure they went to bed. Uh, that was the hardest thing for me is it was the babysitting part because I just felt like, we as coaches never had our time to do our thing. It was always about the players and, and, and babysitting them. And when you're dealing with 120 knuckleheads, it becomes challenging and it and it, be, it begins to wear coaches down, you know, because you're just constantly grinding them. And at some point, you almost become that mom and dad. And what it, you know what what ends up happening as well is think about when we're kids. And we're listening to our parents. We end up not listening to them at some stage, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, that's just mom and dad, whatever type deal. And I, I, there were some points where there were some times where I felt like that was happening, that we were seeing them so much that it was more like, okay, it was in through one ear, out the other, because we see them all the time. We spend so much time with them versus like when you go to a Division One program or maybe a, a bigger program where they don't really monitor and, and, and eat food with their guys and you know, and make sure they go to, you know, have the dorm room checks and all that. You know, those guys, when they go see their coaches at practice, they have a little bit more respect because they haven't seen them all day. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's what, that's kind of where I'm getting at. When the season opened, you guys played Iowa Western was seventy to twenty one, but then the the season finished out uh, nine and two, right? Finished out really well. What were your own like? bumps in the roads through that gameplay wise and were there moments like in those games you know where it was it was just kind of full of like frustration and trying you just wanted everything to work out yeah you know it was um um yeah it was kind of miraculous that we ended up going nine and two um after getting blown out by iowa western 
but that's just part of the whole not knowing our identity because you bring in so much talent that you're just like, oh, who's going to just kind of bail us out? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what we were banking on. And at the end of the day, I mean, you still got to you still got a game plan and and do the right thing as far as football with X's and O's. Um, but we gradually grew and, you know, we had to figure it out. We had to, you know, we sat down as a coaching staff and figured out, you know, who were ball players and who were not ball players because we obviously had the wrong guys in. And, uh, you know, we took, you know, we, we, uh, we game plan a lot better in order for us to, you know, win some ball games. But each, each and every week, each team gave us 400%. Each team wanted to beat us on Netflix. You know, we had to, uh, you know, we played against, you know, the refs. Sometimes we played against the opponents and sometimes we played against ourselves. We were just, you know, doing some, some knucklehead things. What do you think the the cameras being there put put a target on your guys' back going from you know Independence hadn't hadn't won a, um, a a conference title in thirty years and then all of a sudden you've got all this talent Did, was that just a big you know red mark on your guys' back? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Each and every week, like I said, four hundred percent from each team. And there's something that people don't know is after we played each team the the following week they lost. That's if you look that up. That's wow. the pirate curse. Each team that we played, after we played them, they lost. So that's how we knew that everybody was giving us everything they had each and every week. That's insane. That's crazy. Um, for our Nebraska listeners, and I know you said you spent a little time of, at Oregon and um, the the coming home of Scott Frost. What was it like working with him for a short time out in Oregon? Yeah, you know, um, that was a, a phenomenal time to be at Oregon. I was uh, very lucky to be there when Chip was changing the game and, and Frost was just, you know, he was a wide receivers coach at the time. But, you know, being around Scott, um, obviously, uh, you know, has helped me out tremendously in my career, um, being level-headed and calm and, and being a player's coach and having the guys trust you is, is essential to becoming a, a successful coach. Um, that's kind of the coaching style that I have, uh, that I gravitated towards and I have adopted because it works, you know, it works. I'm not, I don't need to necessarily, um, cuss guys out, you know, each and every single day. There's, there's different ways to getting to a guy. Um, and especially nowadays, you know, it it used to be that way that where you could go and, and be super hard on them, but our society has changed tremendously. And, you know that old school coaching sometimes doesn't just—it just doesn't work anymore. You know these guys—I I don't know—these guys have, have, have changed a little, have changed so much, and um, there's different ways of approaching these guys and and getting them to, um, you know, to play their butts off for you. But it was great being around Scott, man. Um, that's a great dude right there. You know, University of Nebraska has a hell of a ball coach, but an even better person. A lot of integrity, a lot of character there, especially with his, his staff as well. You know, he's built together a great staff, and you can see the type of guy, you know, Scotty is from, you know, taking everybody. You know, he changed pro- he changed the program around at UCF from 0-12 to 12-0, and and then instead of him going and hiring big-time names, you know, he stuck to his, his staff that helped him turn the program around, and that's how you know he trusts his staff that he has. Um, 
but that's a loyal that's a loyal dude right there you know i i, I really appreciate frosty you know showing me the ropes and and just leading by example coach before i let you go what's next for you and are you currently looking for uh, another place to coach yeah you know i'm i'm uh i'm looking for uh, a big opportunity you know i'm just I'm ready for it. It's been a, it's been a long six years for me. Um, it, you know, I've I've been humbled by my six years. You know, I go from being at the very top. You know, a BCS national championship appearance versus Cam Newton and the Auburn Tigers and, and Gus Mazan. You know, and, and we lose by two points in the national championship. You know, to being at West Los Angeles College and Independence Community College at the bottom of the barrel and seeing the struggles and the no pay and the hard work. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm ready for a big opportunity, man. I'm just, you know, I, I'm really ready to, uh, to take on the next challenge and learn and grow and, you know, ultimately be a, be a head coach at a high level and, and, um, uh, use my platform to help out others. Well, coach, I appreciate you taking the time. Good luck with everything. And thanks for everything you had to say. Thanks. I appreciate you guys. For more content from Athlete Nation, find us on Instagram and Twitter at Athlete Nation or visit the website athletenation.org. If you know someone with a unique sports story or have a story of your own to tell, feel free to contact me at colton at athletenation.org or find me on Twitter at two birds, one stone. For the entire Athlete Nation crew, I'm your host, Colton Stone. Thanks for listening.